Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined once again by Dimity McDowell. Hello, Dimity. Are you sick of me yet? Not at <laughs> podcast all. Podcast after podcast. <laughs> Not like, at where's all. Fish? Where's Amanda? Where's Alice? <laughs> no. So and we'll be together doing it in person, recording in person at our retreat in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Can you believe it's this week, Dim? I know. I know. I'm already, I'm scoping out the weather. It's a balmy 30, like low 30s today here in Denver. It may snow, but it looks like it's going to be perfect in the EC, um, oh. like in the 60s, low 60s, which is perfect running weather. I know that um, in the past it has been, it has been very warm at the race. They have a half marathon and marathon that our retreaters are going to run and, and a 10K and a 5K as well. Um, and a marathon relay. And a marathon relay, lest I forget the marathon relay. <laughs> yes. um, but it's not going to be too hot, which is great. Yeah. Um, yes, and yes. Uh, not going to be snowing either. So we'll take we'll take that middle ground in May, early May. That's a that's a nice place to be. Yes, and you were just in the Midwest. You were just being a Midwest gal this this time of year. I was. I just came came back um, last night from the from the what is it called the Northern Lights Qualifier Tournament or something at the Convention Center in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. A lot of volleyball, volleyball. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a smaller tournament than the one that they have in Colorado, so it felt kind of like uh, volleyball light. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was good though. I mean, they still played as much, but yeah, the noise were... level was not as loud. Oh, that's that's always good for you, Dimity. Yes, always yes, good for you. Yes. But you were there for gosh, close to five days, weren't you? Well, yeah, they got in. Um, so I went a day early to spend oh. some time in my beloved Twin Cities with friends. And then, um, yeah, the team got in Thursday night and then play was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. so th- this morning I went to shopping, grocery shopping at Trader Joe's, my beloved Trader Joe's. And the check, uh, the checker, the guy asked me what I was up to today. And, and I was like, didn't have too many thrilling things going on today. So I'm like, well, I'm getting ready to go head up a women's running retreat in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. He goes, you are? <laughs> but, anyway, but the reason I tell that story is that then got talking about Eau Claire and it turns out that the, and the, um, you know, that flying into the Twin Cities and the woman behind me in line had lived in the cities for 10 years. And she said that if it hadn't been for having family out in Portland, that she still would have lived out there and how much she loves it. And um, so I was like, oh, small world. So. That's so funny. That's great. Well, yeah. I, my, my Eau Claire story is that I, so Saturday night, so they are in all the volleyball tournaments, there's an AM wave and a PM wave, like mm. morning and afternoon, right? Because they can't get up because of the number of courts, they can't get all the teams out at the same time. Mm-hmm. They split them up by division. And, um, so we were in the PM wave both days on Friday and Saturday. And, um, so the PM wave didn't like Saturday, she didn't stop like play ended at about nine thirty at night. Oh boy. Yeah. And so actually going off of the conversation we're about to have, because we're recording this after our podcast, anyway, we're recording this in reverse a little bit. <laughs> um, but anyway, so the, some of the girls needed to be fed at like 930 at night because, um, uh-huh. you know, they've been playing since like three and snacking and stuff, but hadn't had a meal. Mm-hmm. And um, so we go back to the hotel lobby and we sit down at these two big tables, parents at one, kids at the other. It's like 10 o'clock. And like the, you know, the parents are, you know, they're out, they're having fun, you know, like this is the first time or not the first time, but you know, some of them have small kids. So like they're, you know, they're, you know, just have their teenager this weekend. So that feels, you know, very free and liberating, yeah. you know, and, um, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, I have to be, you know, back here in like less than a week. And, um, and I knew my flight on Sunday night was at 1045 getting back. Cause you have to, 
you have to you have to plan to play really well, even if oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. don't necessarily play really well. <laughs> uh-huh. It's kind of the case this weekend. Um, but uh, you know, you have to be there through the end of the tournament in case yeah. you make it to the last round. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I knew I was gonna have a late night last night, and so so Saturday night I was just sitting there and I was like, okay, I you know what, I need to go to bed. And so I was, I, it was so awkward. I just felt really weird, but I was like, you know what, you guys, I really love you, but I know that if I don't, you know, if I don't get to sleep until like midnight tonight and then I do that again and then I fly again mm-hmm. you know, on Thursday, like, nope. So <laughs> I took the long view for Eau Claire. So I think the Eau Claire retreaters will be happy that I, I, uh, m- maximized myself yes. here on this volleyball weekend. So I won't have to bring the spatula to scrape you off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I don't. Think so. Okay, good. So. Good. Well, uh, I had an exciting weekend. It was John's dance performances, the Da Vinci spring um, dance showcase. And so he danced um, Friday night, Saturday day. They had a performance and then Saturday evening. I went to the Friday and Saturday shows and oh my gosh, I think my heart burst with pride and awe and love and oh, just, isn't that awesome? Oh my gosh, it was fantastic. And also got to watch Daphne play what I have since realized was her last ever soccer game because uh, I'm missing her game this weekend because I'll be in Eau Claire. And then the following weekend, she has a, a all day play rehearsal, so she will not go to soccer um, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, no fanfare for that game because it's <laughs> until after the fact. Um, but oh my gosh, John just, oh, he works so hard yet makes it look so effortless. And he just has such a look of joy and, um, enthusiasm and just, it just radiates it out. And oh, I was just, I could, that watch, awesome? I could just I watch get- him dance every single day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is such a nice, like when they find their sweet spot. And Mm -hmm. I mean, you know that when an athlete makes it look easy, then -hmm. it's not easy. Right. Everyone's like, Oh, rowing, you make rowing look so easy. I'm like, yeah, because it's really damn hard. (laughs) You know, (laughs) And it's like, you know, like as when you're like shushing across the water, you know, like, I mean, that's, that's a lot of work, but it looks so beautiful and so effortless. And that's, I mean, that's what good tennis players do, what good, you know, runners do, what good dancers do. So it sounds like John really has a sweet spot. Yeah, it was, it was just wonderful. And then he talked about how important it is to, you know, work hard and how he just really is trying his hardest all the time out there. And, um, all this. And I was like, wow, man, like I just was really dazzled and um, Good. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just, I'm still kind of on a high from that. So yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, that's so cool. Well, congratulations to him and to you, mama, proud mama. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so let's dive in. This is, um, part two of our two part series that bridges the podcast and the another mother runner website. It is called weighty matters. And as you could probably guess, it delves into weight related issues you don't need to have listened to the first episode. This is not a true crime um, podcast. You do not have to listen to episode Who one. Who killed them with the scale? Who killed <laughs> yeah. them with the scale? Yes. So, um, but if you did miss that first episode and you like this episode, please go back and listen to last week's episode um, and look forward to a follow-up episode in late June. So once again, Dimity and I will talk to two mother runners and this time we'll have two experts. Uh, but first, a quick break. We'll be right back. Our first guest is Amanda Arsvald, a Minnesota mother runner with three daughters. Uh, she told us that she attended some recent fancy events that she thoroughly enjoyed. But then looking back at photos from these evenings, all she could see is the chub, her word. Um, thanks for joining us, Amanda, and being candid about your feelings. 
Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi, Amanda. <laughs> so um, how old are your three daughters? I have an eight-year-old, a four-and-a-half-year-old, and a one-year-old. Nice. Oh, my gosh. You are in the thick of it, right? And aren't you moving or something? I feel like I saw that. Or you got... We are. We just closed, uh, or we just signed a purchase agreement and sold our house this past weekend. So oh, oh my exciting. gosh. Mid June, it's going to be crazy. Yes. Very wow. exciting. Congratulations. That's great. So, yeah. So, you, so you don't have anything Thank going you. on with a one-year-old. Yeah, nothing houses and full-time job. Okay. All right. Um, yep, well, yep. So let's talk about your running. Let's talk about something that's kind of calming and soothing. Tell us how you got started as a runner and, um, and kind of what you're up to these days. Yeah, I think, you know, I started uh, after my first was about a year old. I, I had decided, you know, I need to do something to get into shape. And I had tried running before then, and I just, I absolutely hated it. Um, and so <laughs> after my first was born, I got back into it and said, I'm going to do it this time. Fell off the wayside. My second was born, and um, something just clicked that time around. And I think heart rate training was a really good thing for me, um, but you know something just really clicked, and it went from something I dreaded doing to something that I loved doing. I think it was the quiet and mm. the fact that no one could chase me around, and there's no laundry. So, <laughs> yeah. um, at least was, not immediately, good, uh, right? Yeah. yeah, after the run, maybe some. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Now that's great. Yep. That's great. And do you? Um, are you? I mean, you, you just had, or you have a one-year-old. So how how is it exactly? Is your child exactly one, or is it like eighteen months, or? She turned one in January, so okay. I'm back in the trying to get back into the swing of it thing, many happy miles um, bound, so there's no races planned, um, just trying to get back into the consistency and, and um, moving. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's great. That's yeah. great. Well, yeah. And so we, I, and I, you know, when, when we, when we put up this post, which was on the, another mother runner website um, recently, you know, I had forgotten that you just had a child. So I just want to say um, from the outset, like, obviously we, um, you know, that's, that's a very hard situation to come back from, um, you know, your third child. And so I just want to like, I just want to like blanket pillow this whole conversation in grace because I want to make sure that we're not saying, you know, or I don't want it to come across saying, you know, oh, you need to be back to your pre-pregnancy weight. You need to see this. You need to see that. Like I, you know, that's not um, realistic expectations and that's definitely not what we're trying to get across. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So Amanda, what, what, what was your relationship with your size before? Like, is this sense of being chubby new to you or is it something that you felt in the past? I mean, kind of talk us through that. You know, I started, we've been trying for kids or trying to grow our family for probably 10 years. And um, through primary infertility, secondary infertility, um, I just slowly, you know, every pregnancy um, gained a few pounds here and there from the different fertility meds. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all of a sudden it hit a point where it was just like, holy cow, who is that girl in the mirror? That's not exactly what I want to be looking at. And, um, you know, on the day to day, it's not, it's not something that I like focus on. It's just, um, but yeah, every once in a while I'll catch myself and think, whoa, what happened? And, um, I think it's that slow, that slow game that women tend to, to do that all of a sudden you're like, Hmm, that's not what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure, sure. Well, and, and, and your post was about going out with your husband, um, who had bought you rent tickets, um, or tickets to see rent, I mm -hmm. should say that. Um, and, you know, you see you this whole night planned. And, I mean, I know that feeling when you're like, oh, I'm going to put on that dress, and I'm going to put on those heels. 
I don't wear heels, but you know, because I'm so tall, (laughs) like I'm going to put on this thing. And I remember feeling so good in it, or I bought it for this occasion. And then you put it on, you're like, huh, is, is that what it was supposed to be? (laughs) This is not aligning with what I thought I looked like. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. Hard to reconcile sometimes, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think the hard part for me is I don't want that feeling to overshadow. Um, this was actually a charity event in which we won the rent ticket. Oh, okay. Uh, mm. But, you know, so, so it's, when I left that night, it definitely did not, I felt fantastic. And I'm with you. I don't wear heels. I'm five, nine, so I don't need any extra height, <laughs> okay, um, but I did just cause it's fun. And, and all of a sudden I was like, Oh, that's not, that's not what I thought I saw. So yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And I mean, have you, um, with your pregnancies and stuff, is that something, I mean, you know, I, and again, this fertility, your infertility, this is also new information. So that, I mean, my gosh, what a ride you've been on, huh? Like with hormones and pregnancy and on and off. I mean, that's got to be a pretty, um, it's a pretty rigorous ride for your body, right? Most definitely. And, and um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I'm not shy to share that because I think that it needs to be normalized mm-hmm. and people need to hear mm-hmm. about that side of yes. things too. Um, and yeah. so, but yeah, it is, it's, it's a lot of, of stress. I mean, it, it, there's the hormone side of it, but then there's the stress and the disappointment and, you know, you, you lose a baby and you feel like you're failing and everyone knows mm-hmm. that ice cream is supposed to help that. Right. But, um, <laughs> you know, so trying to stay away from that habit and, and, and that kind of thing too, definitely is a, was a challenge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And do you think being the mother of daughters creates a sense of urgency and wanting to have a healthy relationship with how you view your body, you know, to not get caught up in these I'm chubby thoughts? 100%. And I think that's probably my biggest concern is I've got three little girls mm-hmm. who are watching me in the mirror every morning when I get ready. And um, I try really hard not to focus on the gray hair and the wrinkles and the, you know, the mm-hmm. belly and things like that, because I don't want them to grow up thinking that mm-hmm. that's not okay. And, um, so there's definitely a trying to be true to myself and, and be the best person that I think I can be at the same time, um, mm-hmm. not bringing them down along with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things you put at the end of your post, um, which, you know, again, this was on the, it's on another mother runner website under weighty matters, but you know, you said, you know, I'm just struggling with grace right now. And you kind of laid out the situation that we just talked about. Um, and then, then, and then at, you end, at the end, you said, you know, but the sun is shining and the snow is melting, which we all know in Minnesota is a big deal. <laughs> you know, big deal. Like we must praise the weather. Um, and, and I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about your perspective. I mean, is that, is that, was that a conscious shift from you to say, okay, now I've got to get out of my own head? Or is that something that comes naturally to you to say, okay, I'm going to notice this, but then I'm going to move on. Like talk a little bit about you know, again, we're, I know we're like microanalyzing a Facebook post that you probably put up in like two minutes, but <laughs> that was an important shift, I thought. Both Charlotte, who's going to be our expert in a minute, um, and I both both commented on it. So can you just kind of talk about that? Was that conscious or subconscious? Definitely conscious. I think that I always try, you know, maybe it's the struggles we went through for the last 10 years with having kids. And before that, when we bought our house, we flooded. And I mean, there's just lots Mm -hmm. of things in life that can bring you down and you can choose to stay down or you can choose to say, you know what, this sucks in this moment. I just need to say it and, and maybe it'll help, but we have so much good going on in our lives. And so there's, there's no sense in, in just really 
dragging on about the bad when um, really in any given moment, you should be able to find some good. And if you don't, it, you, I think we just need to keep looking. And so, uh, or maybe another day for grace, but, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I, I try pretty hard to say, you know what, this sucks, but what can I find that's good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you again for for putting that out there on the Facebook page. It was on many happy miles, and and then also just letting us kind of, like I said, dissect this like thing that you probably put up. You were like, oh my god, now they're coming back for me again and again and again. So, um, <laughs> like, ah, oh, leave me alone. This is not a race. Don't stop chasing me. Um, but we're gonna keep Amanda on the line um, in case you want to chime in, and we're now gonna introduce. Um, Charlotte Markey, uh, who is a PhD and professor of psychology at Rutgers University in Camden, New Jersey, and a co-editor of a book. It's actually a textbook, but I love the name of it, um, Body Positive, Understanding and Improving Body Image in Science and Practice. So um, thank you for joining us, Dr. Markey, and um, please excuse my informality by calling you Charlotte. I hope that's okay. <laughs> oh, no, that's perfect, and thank you so much for having me. And I want to thank Amanda for her question to her comments. Um, I think she's really given voice to what so many of us women think about and struggle with and, and don't always articulate as, as well as we could, but she she's obviously really thoughtful about this, and that's just really nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Well, so so your work sounds really fascinating, and obviously, it's, as we know, it's all relevant in our culture today. So can you tell us a little bit more about what you do? You're more on the, um, the classroom kind of research side of things, correct, more than day-to-day practice? Yeah, I don't have a practice. I am, um, I'm a professor, as you said, so I've been doing research on eating behaviors and weight management and body image for about 20 years now, and I teach about these topics. Um, most often in a class referred to as the psychology of eating. Mm. And, um, and I do a lot of writing. So I've done a lot of blogging. Um, you mentioned the one edited book, which is more of a textbook. I do have a, a, a book for the, for sort of the every person um, that's actually called Smart People Don't Diet, which is about trying to manage weight without dieting. Uh-huh. Um, and I have a book in the works called The Body Image Book for Girls, which will be oh. released next year. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's I great. was really excited about that, too, when I was finding, when I was Googling you. <laughs> that was so awkward when I was checking you out online. So anyway. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, yeah. So you've been doing it for 20 years. Do you feel that it really has kind of this body positivity movement? Do you really do you feel it is a movement? Do you feel that it's really kind of catching fire in our culture to talk about these things? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a movement. It's there. It's hard for me to know if I'm just super sensitive to all of this because this is what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I see it everywhere, but um, I don't think it's really permeated mm-hmm. <laughs> quite as much as we would like, perhaps, um, because I think that, you know, popular culture um, and advertising, it's, you know, they want to sell us things. Mm-hmm. And if we're all satisfied with our bodies, there's nothing to sell us almost. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of this is really kind of driven by, uh, you know, this form of consumerism, Mm. Um, you know, whatever weight loss product or beauty product or cream or pills or whatever Mm -hmm. (laughs) supplements. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. totally. And certainly we know that unfortunately Amanda's not the only woman out there with those has those negative thoughts, those negative feelings when she looks at photos of herself or when looks in the mirror. I mean, 
what are the, it's not just, uh, you know, ads on TV or pages of magazines. I mean, what are some of the other forces at work here? And, and do you think the digital age is adding to it? Yeah, I mean, I think that having so much media available all the time, because we have our phones on us all the time, we have our computers, you know, just everyone has a computer now, right? So 20 or 30 years ago, that wasn't the case. Um, so, so it, yeah, of course, it's not just the media, but having the extra access to media is probably not helping. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lots of factors that are relevant to our development of body image. So, you know, everything from our personality, some of us are more perfectionistic and compulsive. Um, definitely some of us runners are a little bit more compulsive, I think. Sure, sure. Um, uh, so, so that can be problematic. Um, some people are, you know, just really sort of more content, right? So our personalities are relevant. Um, the people we have in our lives, um, do we have a partner who's just like really supportive and seems to love us unconditionally? Or, you know, some people have partners or friends who are really critical or even family members. And, and it's hard not to internalize that. So, you know, a lot of it's definitely social, you know, who's around us and the culture around us. But then some of it is just who we are. And what about um, our upbringing? I mean, we're going to maybe or maybe we'll go there now. But I mean, you know, when the way that your mother not your mother or my mother or our yeah. mothers, I should say, you know, saw themselves and spoke to themselves and commented in front of us about themselves. I mean, I feel like that is like, you know, um, you know, written in Sharpie on us, right? It's not coming off, right? It's not like it's chalk or something like that. That can be erased super easily. Is that the case or is that too dramatic? No, I think that's definitely true. And we have a lot of data to suggest that, you know, how moms talk about themselves and how they focus on their own weight or, or don't, um, how they eat, um, all of that is really translated into um, their daughter's behaviors and feelings. So it, it does really matter. And I think that most of us sort of a, adult women are of a generation where our moms were um, maybe not working, maybe not establishing themselves professionally and in other realms and really felt valued for their appearance. And it was kind of part of the, like, I'm so fat generation of, of, of women. Mm-hmm. And, and we, that's who we were raised by. So it's, it's hard to then say, no, wait a second, I'm not going to talk to myself like that. Um, and I'm going to set a different kind of example for my children, my daughters, especially, um, when that's kind of what you knew, uh, that's what being a woman was about growing up. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are there are, are there pointers that you can give us right now? I mean, let's just, let's just go there, and then we'll come back to some other subjects as well. But I mean, one of the things that when I interviewed you, you said you know you don't you don't have the luxury of saying that in front of your daughter anymore, right? And I really no. love that. you just don't have that luxury. You don't have the luxury to say. I feel fat in this outfit, I'm going to go change, right? Because that is modeling behavior that you don't want to pass on. So can you just talk about that and then other ideas for mothers and fathers who want to make sure that their girls don't feel um, as oppressed by um, their body image as some of us might or some of our moms might have? Yeah, I do think that, you know, just trying to keep in mind, like, be a good example. Don't obsess about these things. Um, don't make a big deal about what I'm eating. Don't talk about wanting to lose weight. Don't, like you said, don't change your clothes. Um, 
you know, sometimes it's hard because you want to do some of those things or it feels a little bit natural. Yes. But the less you do them, then the less inclined you are to do them. You know, I mean, I, I realized at some point I had, I had gotten to where I would leave the house without looking in the full length mirror a lot of the times. And, you know, I, a younger version of myself never would have done that. And now I'm just like, whatever, you know, <laughs> and if you just do it less, you just mm-hmm. stop thinking about it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's a really good message to try to, you know, tr- transmit to, to our kids. Just like, just don't worry about all of this so much. Um, and, and again, not that any of this is easy, right. Yes. Yeah. Um, but just like these are things to work for, yeah. to work towards, right? And 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 I'm working towards them too. It doesn't matter that I've been, you know, studying this for my like entire adult life. Some days it still doesn't come naturally. So, hmm. um, so I think that, you know, I, I don't ever want to make it sound like, oh, I have this all figured out, and <laughs> I'm going to tell other women what to do because I don't you know, I don't feel that way about it. I feel like we're all works in progress and this is stuff we can all kind of get better about. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we're, we're working against our culture essentially. So, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of keep getting other messages from the larger social forces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes it hard, I think. But, um, you know, one of the other things we had talked about is just making the right sort of social comparisons that we're all too apt to, think of ourselves when we were younger or look at other people who are younger or who are celebrities or who are, you know, basically look good for a living Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then feel bad because we don't look like that. Mm -hmm. And it's just really ridiculous when you think about it, you know, like most of us are not models or actresses and we don't have a team of people making us look great or photographers making us look great. And, um, you know, so, so when we see images in, in the media or, or even see people just around us who are so much younger than us, um, I think that, you know, we have to just remind ourselves, like, that's not my peer group. Yeah. <laughs> that's not who, that's not, you know, that's not a good reference point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that really helps sometimes, like, just to say, you know, I'm, I have, you know, I have a, maybe a fuller or a more interesting life, like that my job is not just to look good. Mm-hmm. I do other things. I use my brain. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think I think that's so often when, you know, I mean, like, let's say you watch the Oscars or something like that. And you think, oh, right. my gosh, they look so beautiful. It's like, oh, well, they've been on, you know, a soup fast or cleanse for, you know, the past 10 days. They have the money to have facials, you know, every day if they want it. You know, someone's completely done their makeup, so it looks good even on a high-def TV. You know, it's just all these things that, like you know, and we're mainly like, okay, I won't take a picture of myself in fluorescent lighting. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, like scraping the concealer out of my, you know, with my pinky out of the, you know, I've got like two drops left that I have from two years ago. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I think celebrities is one thing, but I think it's also important to remember, you know, when we, when I go to take a selfie, you know, I can take, you know, 15, right. Mm-hmm. Before I found one that I like. Right. And sometimes right. I think that you think, you know, even though, you know, we all rationally know that, you know, okay, I'm going to pick the best one and I'm going to put a nice filter on it and then I'm going to edit this part of my neck out or whatever, you know, but then, but then you don't, for some reason, at least for me, speaking for myself, it's, it's hard to remember that that's what other people do as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And so, yes. you know, you're just like, well, they look so good. Why, why do I look like, you know, why, why are my bags like, you know, as dark as the thunderclouds in the sky? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, one of the things that I saw when I was um, like doing some research and looking for images and stuff for this post was um, there's a there's a you probably know it, um, Charlotte. It's called the Body Body Positive um, Center. I think it's out in San Francisco or Institute. Uh -huh. Body Positive. It might be in San Diego. I think. San Diego. But yeah, it's okay. in California. Somewhere in California. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the things that I thought um, was interesting. Um, they said they had a quote that said, bodies inevitably change. The more attached we become to their shape, the more we will suffer. And, um, yeah. you know, that comes a lot with the whole idea of you choose to suffer, right? Um, because yeah. bodies, they don't, you can't stay the same. Like every cell is regenerating, no. everything is changing, but it is so hard when you feel like you are on the downslope, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's what no, I, feel I like mean, we are, you know, right after midlife, it kind of feels like it's not going to necessarily get better than this. Other parts of your life are going to get better, but not necessarily your physical appearance. Um, I hope that that's not awful to say, but. No, but I think that's, it's important to kind of keep that perspective that, um, you know, like, God, I, I mean, I didn't appreciate that I looked mm. as good as I did in my twenties, right? Yes. Oh, that's and, you know, oh, like so true. 20 years from now, we're not going to appreciate that we look as good in our forties. and. Oh. <laughs> I think that, and, yeah, I think that's so often you, know, you look at a high school picture and it's like, oh my gosh, I just had the greatest legs then. Like, why didn't I like take, take joy right. in that? And I'm sometimes think, well, gosh, when I'm 70, I'm going to think like I was, you know, smoking in my right. early fifties, you know? <laughs> like, right. And so, I mean, some of this is just so relative, like you said, it's just, it's, it's normal to change across time. And yeah, that doesn't always feel good. It doesn't always feel right. But I think the more we try to be accepting of that and then appreciate, like, what are we gaining though across time, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I wouldn't go back to being in my early 20s for anything. Like, my <laughs> life is so much better now. Uh -huh. um, like, yeah, my my butt looked better then, but I mean, who cares? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, so much is better now. And so I think we have to kind of just remind ourselves that there are these trade-offs, right? Sure, sure. Um, as things are sagging, you know, a lot of life is so much better. And I think, you know, just trying to take good care of ourselves and, and really appreciate ourselves and nurture ourselves. And I think it's amazing that Amanda is out running with a one-year-old. I mean, it took me years to recover from sleep deprivation and to get back to running. So I think, you know, like kudos to her for, you know, kind of rebounding as fast as she has. Cause I think that's atypical. You know, when I talk to new moms, I say like, just don't put any pressure on yourself. Like you'll do it when you can. Um, the, good Lord, the good Lord blessed me with good sleepers and an incredibly supportive husband. So <laughs> yeah, good. no, but I mean, it's amazing. I think that's, that's fabulous. Agreed. Like three little kids and to be, you know, back, back at it. And, and hopefully it's a good source of, um, so that there's some sort of meditative quality to being out on your, your own or away from, you know, kids for some time too. So it, hopefully it's a good psychological health, um, you know, yeah. exercise as well. Yeah. Well, and can but, you talk a little bit, Charlotte, about, um, well, again, this, this was a term that I like that you um, called out the maladaptive girl conversations, right. Where we I was talking about like, cause sometimes it helps to go to a friend, just be like, ugh. I just feel so blah right now. I, but I know I don't like the way I look or I've gained weight for the holidays. And I can't get it off, whatever, you know, like it yeah. helps to like say it out loud and just have someone to sympathize with instead of just having it swirling around in your head. Um, yeah. But talk about, you know, where it goes from like maybe being beneficial to like, you know, maybe not the most healthy thing. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that it's good to have that kind of a friend or maybe even a mom or a sibling that you can have that conversation with. And maybe it's even most adaptive if you kind of like preface it with like, okay, can I just whine for like 15 minutes? Mm -hmm. Can we just talk about this? You know, and, um, and then don't belabor it too much. Like, like we want sometimes reassurance, you know, like you said, I just need wait. It's the holidays. Like nothing's fitting quite right. It seems like lately. And, you know, one of the greatest things a, a good friend often will say to me is like, listen, no one notices what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. you are your own worst critic. Mm-hmm. I can't see that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not lying. And I totally sympathize because I understand. I feel that way sometimes too. And, you know, you can, you can do that for a little bit of time and then it's good to say like, okay, thanks. Mm-hmm. Done. You Move know, on. because yeah. moving on, let's talk about other things that maybe are kind of actually in some ways more important because to, to belabor the, you know, what we call fat talk in the literature, mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's, it's really unhealthy, right? Because then it starts to become like, we're one-upping each other. Like, oh no, I'm so fat. No, you look Mm. great. No, I'm so fat. I mean, it just, it's like a cliche, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to, we don't want to, um, I think become those people over and over again. And, and if we feel like we need to have that much conversation about these issues, which certainly, um, there's nothing wrong with if, if, you know, you really feel that, but then I think, you know, a more therapeutic setting might be more helpful. So Mm. finding someone who specializes in body image and eating issues, Mm -hmm. um, and, and keeping it out of your social world. So it doesn't spill over into, you know, how you parent your kids or how you relate to your partner or whatever, because it can just become all consuming. How, um, easy is it to find a therapist who deals with those types of issues? Um, you can look on Psychology Today's website, has a good search function. You can look on the National Eating Disorders Association webpage. Um, I think it's nationaleatingdisorders.org. Um, they have a search function. Um, and it doesn't have to be someone who only does this. Um, usually, um, therapists specialize in sort of a set of issues that they're, they're most comfortable um, working pe- with people on. Um, so it may be depression and eating or mm-hmm. anxiety or right, you know, and that's okay. And a lot of it too is just goodness of fit of a therapist, I think, sure. for people. Yeah. That you want to feel like the person just is understanding you, mm-hmm. getting you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I think honestly, you can probably tell that after one visit. Yeah. It's not like the kind of thing where you want to like, you know, keep trying. <laughs> yes, exactly. If you're not getting me, you're not getting me. Yeah, it's definitely a fit. I, you know, yeah, for sure. So it's, it's a fit and, um, and, and it doesn't have to be, you know, necessarily like weekly sessions, but even just, um, sometimes once a month, I think, you know, especially it's hard to be a woman. It's hard to be a parent. It's hard to try to balance work and home and everything else. And, um, I think we all can use extra support in doing that. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's no shame in looking outside your social circle for that kind of support. Mm-hmm. That's a good reminder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Charlotte. This was uh, a very interesting conversation. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much for bringing attention to these issues. I think it's really important. Oh, That's you. great. And so, um, so again, to remind people, we're going to have Amanda back on at the end of June. So Amanda, in addition to moving, 
having three small girls and a full-time job. Can you please integrate all these <laughs> into your life <laughs> and let us know how it's going? Bring it. <laughs> so I say that obviously lightly, like, you know, we would love to check in with you again, just to see, um, you know, what, what worked for you, what didn't, but um, I, you know, going from the outset, I think we kind of have made it clear you, you're in a pretty balanced state anyway. Um, and you have a great perspective, but we would love to chat with you again. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, and good luck. Good luck with the move and all that stuff too. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, ladies. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Our next mother runner, Heather Dietrich Cook, is here to talk about her teenage daughter, a 16-year-old dancer. Heather is concerned slash frustrated by her daughter's picky eating habits. Thanks for talking with us, Heather. No problem. Yeah. So uh, let's start by hearing a bit about your um, family, like where you live and if your dancing daughter is your only child. So um, I live in central Massachusetts. Um, Mm -hmm. My dancer daughter is uh, the middle child of three. Mm -hmm. Um, My oldest is 19. She is 16 and my youngest is 12. Do you have three girls too? I have three girls. Wow. This is the day of three girl podcasts. Um, and so, and we will, I know we're going to talk um, about your dancer, but tell us a little bit about yourself, Heather, and your running. Um, so um, I've run on and off about um, probably 10 years, at least, probably maybe 15. Um, I do have some health challenges that um, bring me out and then back in um, to running. But um, I most recently completed the Disney World Marathon. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And, um, I'm on a hiatus right now. I got some foot issues going on, but I'm hoping I'm going to be back soon. Wow. Well, we sound like soul sisters, except for that. I haven't run the Disney world marathon, but, um, I always have foot issues. So so you've got a a friend in me there. Yeah. And then then as well, I mean, uh, I definitely, um, gravitated towards your question about your daughter, which again, um, you, it was on Facebook. Um, it was about how she is a super active dancer and you're concerned about the fact that she's pretty picky. And then she also mostly eats carbs. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you could fill in my, um, 12 year old actor slash water polo player or my 15 year old water uh, volleyball player. And we could pretty much, um, you know, not know the difference. So, I mean, that it's tough, right? Because, um, as a parent, you know, you know, you don't know what's right for them, but you have some good ideas about how they might feel better. Um, but it's hard to sometimes get that across, right? Especially to the teenage crowd. Yeah. And, and for me, for her, it's um, more of the temptation of having the easy carbs in the house. Mm, so okay. when, when I posted that originally, I, w- I was just very frustrated. So since I posted that, I had have stopped buying the, you know, packaged Oreo type of things and Cheez-Its. And um, it seems to be a little bit better. But of course, it's a lot more work for mom. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Well, and so what are you buying in there? Are you, are you have you made substitutions or you yeah, just don't buy so, stuff um, anymore? You know, I, I did substitute... Um, buying that stuff for uh, more fruit, um, some whole wheat Triscuits. I've been, um, our chickens are laying again. So I've Mm. uh, started boiling eggs and Mm -hmm. um, 
making the granola from the um, Cook Fast, Eat Slow book. So or, Nice, nice. You know what? I said that wrong. But, yeah, um, yeah. Run fast, eat slow. <laughs> I would like to cook fast, though, too. I like yeah. to cook fast, right? run fast. Yeah. <laughs> and eat fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's so funny you say the cheeses because we were just at a volleyball tournament um, on the road and, you know, packing up before. And I'm like, fine, right. you can have the cheeses, right? Because it's like, I just can't, you know, sometimes right. I can't you know so yeah and sometimes she comes home from dancing at um nine o'clock at night she's there from say four o'clock to nine o'clock at night wow Um, you know it's it's um you know getting an appropriate snack in her and then Mm -hmm. once she gets home um because she's so picky she's not going to eat what i have prepared for dinner Mm. So she's going to automatically go to a bowl of Cheerios or something like that. And, um, you know, trying to convince her and talk to her about that's not really appropriate to fuel your body that way is difficult. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have to say I really related to you as well, Heather. Um, I have a avid dancer, a son. Um, so I know how much energy they burn off. Like last yeah. week, I, I was having to bring him a second lunch because he had after school dance practice. Um, right. so, so, you know, particularly I find it tough to, um, get in healthy sources of energy. Um, yeah. do you find that to be the case with her? And then can you relate as a runner? Um, I do. In fact, I actually gained weight while I was training for my marathon. So, um, very much I, um, mm. really, cause I was just, I, I was just hungry all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. And that, that actually goes back to the other weight matters podcast that we had with Emily who was running her first marathon. And, and it is so hard because you're hungry yeah. and you need to make sure that you're really fueling yourself well, but it's not as easy as it sounds. So, right. Um, because it's, yeah. you know, it's all these easy, um, things are just, they're just everywhere. It's just the way they're marketed and all, and it, I don't want to cook something for, you know, a half an hour if I can just grab like something that's less healthy for me in front of me. Yeah. Cook fast, right? Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it for sure. Um, well, I am confident that Jill Castle, who is our expert on this topic, um, who is, um, uh, the author of myriad books about childhood nutrition, including Eat Like a Champion, Performance Nutrition for Your Young Athlete, um, is going to join us in one second. Um, Heather, as, as with the other guests, we'd love to have you hang on. If you have any questions or want to p- pipe in, um, that would be great. Okay, excellent. Awesome. So welcome, Jill. Thanks. Glad to be here. That is, it's fun to, to have this kind of, he said, she said format, you know? <laughs> well, you had me, you had me on mute and I was laughing at half of it because I have a lot in common with you all as well. I also have three daughters. Oh my oh, goodness. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> Isn't that so funny? It is. It is. Oh my um, and my oldest was a volleyball player. So Dimity, we have that in common. No dancers, but um, okay. I've had swimmers and I have uh, uh, one son. He's my youngest and he's a rower. So mm. I often laugh because I, my children picked some of the hungriest sports. You can <laughs> some of those high calorie burning hungry sports. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'm a mom, yeah, I'm a mom of four and uh, trained in pediatric nutrition and sort of over the years have specialized in different areas, one being sports nutrition for youth athletes, uh, because mm. I was living it uh, day yeah. in, day out. So 
And your most recent um, book is about picky eating, correct? Yes, it's called, it's actually a workbook for parents and it's called Try New Food, How to Help Picky Eaters Taste, Eat, and Like New Foods. Mm. So there you go. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) I work with a lot of picky eaters too. (laughs) Um, So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so one thing that struck me about what Heather was saying about how her uh, that middle daughter of hers eats a lot of carbs mm. and stays away from protein, and it sounds like a, what we hear from a lot of runners. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can you talk to us about why that's not the way to fuel an active body, regardless of what age that body is? Yeah, I, I think one of the things first that people have to understand is the reason oftentimes as athletes we carb or we crave carbs is because that's the fuel, the pre- the preferred fuel source for our muscles. So it's the mm-hmm. nutrient we burn through fastest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also that nutrient uh, that uh, is most satisfying. It quickly raises our blood sugar when we're really hungry. So we get this like chemical, almost psychological response after we eat carbs as well. Um, so we get like a quick relief when we eat them. Uh, so we do, you know, even though our oftentimes we're hearing in the media and our society today that carbs are bad and, and we shouldn't be eating them, that is actually not the right advice for athletes carbs are needed, um, particularly for the growing athlete, the child athlete, the teen athlete, uh, because that's that primary source of fuel. Um, Protein is needed because they're growing. And that is that building block for growth, uh, muscle growth, muscle recovery. Uh, So we really like to see a, a balanced diet that has not only carbs in it, but also protein and fat as well, because that's very satiating and it really helps the brain function well, particularly uh, in childhood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Heather, I'm curious, what what protein sources does your daughter like? So this is where things get difficult. Um, She doesn't like chicken, but she likes chicken nuggets. Uh, Oh Um, my gosh. Seriously, soul sisters right here. (laughs) (laughs) Last night at the grocery store, yep. Uh Um, She will eat tuna fish, Um, she'll eat basically all sorts of fish she won't eat um the only red meat she eats would be ground it has to be ground like or in a meatball form um (laughs) we don't eat pork that much here but um she'll eat eggs uh and nuts um the only issue i have really is that um her oldest sister does have a nut allergy so Mm -hmm. that is a little bit challenging Sure, sure. And what about like um, cheese or cottage cheese or yogurt? Yep, she'll, um, she's picky on the type of cheese she eats, but she will eat cheese. And it's just, it's not a preferred um, source of protein for her. Um, okay. She's what very about, heavy, heavy on the carbs though. Yeah. Yeah. What about, um, Heather, what about milk or beans or tofu? Or- so, Tofu and beans are definite no no. <laughs> you okay. see them definitely no. Um, but and she does drink milk, um, and sometimes more than she should. And the reason why I'm saying more than she should is because when she, she drinks too much, she um, has to run to the bathroom often. Mm-hmm. So do you do you think she might be a little bit lactose intolerant? Um, I think she, she might be a little bit yeah. lactose intolerant, but um, 
I'm talking like shh, I'll buy a gallon of milk and it'll be half gone like before morning the next day that to that okay. excess of drinking it. Okay. So, I mean, with that being said, I would not be worried about a protein intake because milk okay. has a lot of protein in it. Um, okay. However, um, you know, if it does give her a touch of the loosey goosies, then um, <laughs> we'll try not to be too clinical here. <laughs> um, uh, you know, you could substitute a lactose free milk. And there is one out there that um, it so happens that my youngest child is lactose intolerant himself. And so we use Fairlife, which happens okay, to yep. be higher in protein than regular cow's milk. And um, I, I, you know, I think it's great. It's lower in sugar, higher in protein. It has a little bit more calcium and vitamin D. So, you know, if, if she can drink or include a glass of milk with each of her meals, she'll okay. get a, a, a good 12 grams of protein um, okay. just from that. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, now, what about um, vegetables? Because this is a big one. She will eat lettuce. Mm -hmm. She'll eat avocados. Um, she there. I can't even think of what else she would eat. Um, maybe broccoli not cooked. Mm -hmm. um, she, what about trying to get her to eat more vegetables? Yeah, has have vegetables always been an issue for her over the years, or is it more of a recent um, thing? When she was really young, she would she wasn't as picky with her um, vegetables or mm -hmm. eating in general. Yeah. Um, this is more of a since I would say late, um, late elementary school, middle school type of thing. Okay. So sometimes, you know, children, when they are being selective or, or wanting to be more in control of their diets, they're, you know, they're exerting their autonomy. They're, uh -huh. you know, yeah. exerting their control over their environment. And, and, you know, that's oftentimes why children will say, I'm going to try to be a vegetarian or uh -huh. I'm not yeah. going to eat these foods. That being said, um, vegetables are, are oftentimes a really tough food group for kids, particularly younger kids, because they're bitter and bitter is a learned uh, flavor to like. It's not something we're born with naturally liking. We have to learn over time to like it. Um, what I, you know, the thing with vegetables that I often tell my clients and the people that I work with is they do have to keep showing up at the table and they have to show up in a variety of different ways. And I know that that means more effort on mom or dad, more cooking, more trying things, but I would not, I would caution you to, you know, not make the vegetables for her but okay. make the vegetables for your family and uh, make sure they're, you know, that they're showing up and then allowing her to experiment. A lot of teenage girls um, are willing to do the whole DIY salad bar, for example. They like yeah. to try building, you know, build a bar or build a salad bar with a lot of different ingredients, including fruit and grains and nuts and seeds, things that aren't just all vegetables, but um, right. Some variety of different combinations. I would, you know, I would just keep, you know, planning healthy meals that include a lot of different vegetables and fruits and grains and protein sources and um, 
not get too wrapped up in making sure she's satisfied at every single meal, but making sure that you're satisfying the whole family and that there's some things on the table that she can, she can navigate through and find. Uh, What, what is encouraging to me based on what you've said is that, you know, she likes milk, she likes cheese, she likes, I think you said yogurt, she eats eggs. Those are all, not only are they protein sources, they're high quality protein sources. They offer a lot more than just protein. Uh, They offer, you know, uh, brain building nutrients, iron, uh, uh, zinc, that, you know, there's just a lot, B12, a lot of the different Um, other nutrients that are important to athletes. And so I wouldn't um, be too terribly worried. I I really, with moms, oftentimes of teenagers, it's such a murky, tricky time of life. Um, And I can say that with validity because I've raised three (laughs) teenagers. (laughs) They oftentimes with their eating will go off the rails. And uh, you're looking at them like, what are you doing? Uh, But they generally will come back to sort of the, the blueprint of meals and timing and structure and, and uh, variety that you've laid over time. Okay. Uh, they just have to have that, you know, they're, they're really wanting to be independent and autonomous and make their own decisions. And a lot of times they do that with food. Now, that being said, if you are feeling like um, she's restricting, she's cutting back, she's losing weight, um, she's doing some weird things with her diet, then I would, you know, given that she is in a, a, a sport that is more image oriented, I yeah. would just have my eyebrows raised and my ears wide open and my eyes open to be watching for anything that might suggest that uh, something uh, disordered might be going on. Yeah, I don't have any, cons- at this point, I don't have any concerns regarding that. Um, Good. It's more um, looking at her, uh, looking at her diet and saying, are you sure you want to be eating that? You do want to perform. Right. Um, yeah. So that's that. And I just chiming in and you guys are having a lovely conversation and so I'm learning as we go along, which is so cool. But that is, that is my pain point too, mm-hmm. because when I say, okay, you're going to have, you know, a cliff bar and Cheez-Its before your game and you just right. played a game again and now you're going to go play and then like, and then you're going to have a chocolate milk after. Like, I know that that's not, I mean, maybe it is enough, maybe it's fine. And maybe we're just putting too much pressure or, or too much emphasis on it, I would say. But I mean, as, as the mom of teenagers, Jill, I mean, do you feel like the parents have any say or you just have to let them kind of learn on their own? Well, I think, you know, it's interesting because a lot of parents come to me and they say, I want you to motivate my athlete to make the right food choices. And I yeah. kind of chuckle and I say, I can't motivate your child to do that. Um, you can't motivate your child to do that either. All you can really do is show up as a good role model, mm-hmm. uh, have those healthy, varied meals and food variety around and sort of walk the talk and drop the talk, quite frankly, because a lot of the talk that we do as parents can oftentimes come off as pressure. Um, and, you know, teenagers by nature want to push back a little bit. That's just the stage of development that they're in. Um, it doesn't mean that you give up and you relinquish uh, the role of parenting around food or anything like that. But it, it, do, it is a tricky time. And, um, you know, 
I, I wrote Eat Like a Champion for parents. And then I had a lot of parents come to me and say, why don't you have something for kids? So I created uh, a program for kids to be able to learn about nutrition on their own and actually, you know, map out their food plan and map out how much protein they need each day and start to put the, the pieces together for themselves because a lot of teenagers don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to be told what to eat, what not to eat. Um, it falls on deaf ears oftentimes. And uh, this is a way that, you know, hopefully is motivating to teenagers. And a lot of times they just have to live it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So um, would you, like, how would you word it? Um, let's say she's running out of the house for practice. Um, would you say, oh, did you remember to have a healthy snack? Um, because sometimes she will run out and forget to eat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, uh, set some parameters in, you know, working with her together, the two of you, and just setting some parameters around what you expect. Okay. Um, You expect that, you know, before she goes to practice, she will have something that's going to help her fuel her performance. And it can be X, it can be Y, it can be Z. Tell me what makes most for you, and I'll have it in the house for you. Right. Okay. Um, So conversations like that. And then in terms of, you know, uh, a lot of times what I say to my own kids, did you, did you get your own, did you get some protein in that snack? Or uh, that's what I tend to focus on more because the carbs are not the issue. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I all want the carbs. <laughs> it's like, did you, what did you include for protein? And so for me, when I'm even working with my own, you know, talking with my own kids or working with my clients, what I want them to understand is what is a protein? Uh-huh. What is a carb? What is a fat? And, oh, did you identify those components in your snack or in your meal and did you get them on board before you before you head out right and if they didn't and they come back and they didn't have a great practice or they come home oftentimes this happens they come home and they're absolutely starving right then I take the opportunity to connect back to the fact that you know well maybe your snack wasn't big enough maybe it wasn't satisfying enough let's reevaluate that so I guess what I'm saying is try and work with your daughter to come up with a plan okay um, as opposed to, you know, telling her this is what it's going to be, try to try to work with her yeah. because I bet she has some good input on what even feels good to her before she works out. Yeah, I, I can't do the this is good. This is how it's going to be because my kids are as stubborn as I am. <laughs> oh, what goes around comes around, doesn't yep. it? Happen? Yes. <laughs> I feel you. Mine too. Um, I'm curious. I have one question. So that that this is this comes up, um, I think, pretty regularly with with um, parents of kids that are in anything. I mean, whether it's drama or math club or whatever. But they get home late, right? They get home at like eight thirty or nine, and they're so hungry. What is a good you know, I don't want to make another dinner, like dinner's put away. So yeah. what, what are we feeding them at that point at night to get them to bed at a reasonable hour and still make sure that they're getting what they need? Yeah. So oftentimes what I suggest is flipping the dinner and the snack. So if you have a child that's going to like a 4.30 or a five o'clock uh, practice, I'll say make after school snack, not a snack, make that dinner. And then when they come home after practice, make that snack. Mm. So Snack could be, you know, half a bagel with cream cheese, or it could be uh, a bowl of cereal and milk. It could be a yogurt parfait. It could be 
uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a glass of milk. So it's not like snacky food, but it's not a full meal. Sure. But it's nutritious and it's, it's not ice cream. It's not cookies. It's um, a recovery hefty snack or a meal. That, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing. Again, I want to point out just one of the things that you said, we've talked about protein enough, but, but every snack and every meal should have protein. I mean, meals should have more than just protein and carbs. But, you know, I was like, well, what, are we losing the goldfish? You're like, no, we're not losing the goldfish. We're just adding some protein to it. Right. Yeah. So like exactly. some string cheese or a yogurt or whatever it happens to be, that's easier hard boiled egg or whatever your kid likes. And that again yeah. is just um, just thinking of it kind of as a one-two punch instead of just those stupid orange crackers that, oh my God, I thought I was dead buying them when I was, they, my kids were not toddlers, you know? Well, yeah. And they just, you burn through them so fast. They don't last. Not if you're having a two hour practice they, you just won't feel great and you won't perform your best yeah. and you could bonk. Um, it just, they, it's just not that you want those slow carbs, which the slow carbs are the ones that tend to be uh, full of fiber uh, or full of starch, uh, like a potato or whole wheat bread. They take a little bit longer to, to digest. So they, I call them slow carbs. It, it, they just release that um, broken down carbohydrate or sugar a little bit slower into the bloodstream and into the body instead of like a, a, a cracker, a little orange cracker that's just going to be digested really fast and get right into your system. Hey, hey, so Jill, before we let you go, we we need to uh, shift to the other end of the age spectrum. What advice do you give to moms who are listening who have babies or toddlers? How can they, what can they do to set their kids up to be adventurous eaters? Yeah. So, oh, that's such a great question. Um, Mm. A lot in those years. So um, we are finding out so much new information about what it takes to, raise kids who have a wide palate and who are willing to accept a a wide variety of foods. And it all really boils down to those first two years of life. So if you're, um, if you're nursing, for example, your flavors of your own diet will transfer to your, to your baby, which is great because, you know, we know from research that babies who are nursed uh, tend to eat a wider variety of of vegetables in particular, but a a wider variety of foods down the road. If you're bottle feeding, then, you know, when you start solids at six months, you want to introduce a pretty uh, wide variety of all kinds of different foods. And I I talk about this in uh, the Smart Mom's Guide to Starting Solids, that you really, with, with vegetables and with fruit and grains and protein sources, you want to get a lot in that next year and a half um, on that tray in front of that baby and make it a really positive experience. And we know also that, you know, like I mentioned before, vegetables are bitter. Um, and so they're a learned like uh, a learned food to like. So repeated exposure, meaning, you know, eight, nine, 10 times that that young child has seen broccoli in a different format, in a different preparation way. Um, It might be broccoli soup, cream of broccoli soup. It might be roasted broccoli. It might be blanched with a dip, but that, that, that broccoli is showing up in a lot of different ways that in the first two years of life, that alone uh, really helps move the needle in terms of introducing new foods to children and helping them like them early in life. So it lasts longer. Great. 
And then you have to, you can't do the pressure thing. You can't do the rewarding with dessert. All that stuff kind of messes it all, all up down the road, unfortunately. So it's, there's the feeding aspect of it as well. And just keeping food really, you know, fun, pleasurable, the environment at the table, nurturing, but also, um, you know, that there are some food rules uh, in the house, you know, that everybody has to be polite and everybody has to um, come to the table when it's time for dinner and sit there until the dinner or the meal is over with. So some small expectations along the way, but, but really overall keeping it nurturing and positive and fun and a learning experience because kids aren't born learning. They, they don't like all these foods when they're born. They have to learn to like them. So that environment we create around uh, teaching them that is, is very critical uh, to the success so, as well. So, wow. Well, this has been really, really interesting. <laughs> Sarah, I feel like we're like listening to a podcast instead of hosting one. <laughs> I know, right? right? That was great. No, seriously, Peter, thank you for sharing. <laughs> See, yeah, <laughs> talk. It was great. It was great. And so, Heather, thank you for sharing all of that. So we'll be back in touch with you to see how it's going. Um, okay, with okay. Her. Does, does she know that she's um, under a little bit of a microscope or is this just you kind of doing on the sly? I'm just I'm curious. doing this on the sly. Okay. So I love it. I love it. So we yeah. won't be listening to this on the way to dance. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And thanks for joining us, Jill. Uh, you gave us lots of good things to think about and put into place in our lives. You are so welcome. Awesome. Take care, you too. Bye. So, Dim, that was like a free, you know, counseling session for, for you and your kids. <laughs> I know, I know. When she said nuggets only, or chicken, but only in nugget form, I'm like, oh my gosh. And then, uh, then you won't believe this, but during the podcast, I, of course, have my phone on mute, but the text comes in from Amelia. Can you bring me a snack, please? <laughs> okay, what am I going to bring her? I'm going to bring her uh, some granola with some, I mean, yogurt with some granola in it or something. I'm not bringing her goldfish. I can tell you that much. Yeah. And she's going to be like, who have you been talking to mom? Why are you bringing <laughs> exactly. me this stuff? <laughs> Why are you bringing me, you know, sushi and whatever. That's so funny. Um, and the other thing that I had to say, which is so funny that fair life came up because, um, so we were again at this volleyball tournament, we took a lift and have you been in a lift yet where they have the little car snacks in there that you can buy? No, it's a, like, it's like a vent. It's not a vending machine, obviously, but it's a little plastic, you know, holder and you go to snacks on the go. That's not the name of the company. I can't remember what it's called, but so it's, like uh, a, it's like a mini bar and it's a mini bar. Exactly. So this really nice driver was like, have you heard of Fairlife? And I said, yeah, I used to buy their milk and yeah, it's really good. And she goes, okay, well, so put in this web address again, snacks on the go, but not it. I wish I could remember. And she's like, um, and you just put in your email and you'll get, um, they, 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 they just created a new protein drink. So it's like competing with like the muscle RX drinks, you know, but it's, I think a little bit more um, natural and stuff. I didn't, I didn't really uh, look at the ingredients super closely yet. Um, but yeah, so every once in a while they have free things. So like, yeah, yeah. so like yesterday I had a pregnant woman in my car and so she bought a beef jerky and she went to go buy it. And then she, um, and then like, and then there was a free like Reese's Pieces at the end, you know? So I'm oh like, my oh my gosh, gosh. so fun. So anyway, the Fair Life drinks. See- you should see Joan and I are trading looks like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so, so you'll be on the lookout for that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, so the Train Like a Mother Club, we're actually going to um, go over to the Many Happy Miles corner instead of the Train okay. Like a Mother. Chook, 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 chook. We're yeah, over here. We're chook, chook, heading chook. over there um, because this post came in and I wanted, it kind of resonates with all of the um, Weighty Matter podcasts and just um, all the 
all the perspective that we try to encompass in the um, Another Mother Runner community. So this comes from Kathy. Um, again, she's in the Many Happy Miles group, which is our first annual membership. So, um, so she's not necessarily training for a specific race, but um, she was in a 10K, and so this is what she wrote. I just have to say thank you to this wonderful community of BAMers who over the past few years have really helped me learn to run with gratitude and to run joyfully. Running the mile I am in from where I am at, celebrating the runs good and bad, slow and fast, and to gain the confidence to dress comfortably but fun for running in the body I have today, rather than trying to cover up and tell the tomorrow body I may never have, and to focus on good health and good feelings. I thought about the Another Mother Runner community, community of running women today during my 10K, and I know that was part of the finding, that, the, that was part of the finding the joy in the run. Sorry, I kind of mangled that a little bit, but the um, idea comes through, which is, you know, exactly where you're at is exactly where you're supposed to be. And mm -hmm. there is something so special and so perfect at this exact moment. And um, wishing for your body to be different or your, you know, your pace to be different or the weather to be different, you know, mm -hmm. try to find, try to find the sun is shining, the snow is melting moment, right? Um, mm -hmm. Like Amanda said. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you, Dimity. Thank you for bringing that to us. Sure. So, all right, maybe you're looking around for a Mother's Day gift that you'll always remember. How about asking to be gifted our Cape Cod retreat that is happening this October in the utterly, utterly charming town of Falmouth, Massachusetts. It is three nights, four days of expert sessions, group runs, yoga, great meals, the Cape Cod half marathon. You can run it or be part of Dimity's cheer squad. And then karaoke. I'm already thinking about what songs I'll be singing. Um, so it is just a ton of fun in a beautiful corner of the country. So we hope you join us. Uh, you can find out details two places. You can either go to anothermotherrunner.com and click on retreats at the top of the page. Or we now, in the Mother Runner store, have retreats on our top navigation. So you can, again, go either go to anothermotherrunner.com and click on retreats or Mother Runner store and click on retreats. Our podcast today was jointly produced uh, in Portland, Oregon by Jonah at Puddle Creative and remotely by Alex Ward, who is in Japan, and he's with Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles to you. Happy miles.